Welcome to Greenhouse. I'm Mike Patz. I'm one of the pastors around here, and we're in a series called Silent Killers, and I know that's somber, but I just need you to know I could not be more full of hope because I feel like I have intensely good news today. So take out a Bible, go to Philippians chapter 4, stand to your feet, take out your phone or your device if you're at home, welcome. Uh, glad that you're joining us right now. Why don't you shout out, just do some speaking and talking and hanging right there in the chat room. But if you're here in person, I want you to get ready as well because we're going to go to Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to hit one of these silent killers. If you're ready, say, let's do this. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6, says this, Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Just quick confession. Who has been anxious at least once in the past 12 months? Who's been anxious at least once in the last 12 days? Who's been anxious at least once in the last 12 hours? Who's been anxious at least once in the last 12 minutes? Oh, at church? <laughs> at home? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, help. In Jesus' name, amen. Give someone a high five, have a seat. Let's talk about the silent killer of anxiety. The silent killer of anxiety. We have a lot to be anxious about. Obviously, we're in a pandemic. Uh, Denmark has opened and Australia is having quarantine camps and, and there's political drama and we're concerned about our children and we're concerned about our parents and we're worried about ventilators, and we're worried about midterms, and we're worried about deadlines, and we're concerned about finances, and we're concerned about the economy, and we're concerned and concerned and concerned and concerned, and we get doctor's reports and messages from people that we don't know what they mean, and we're wondering what they mean, and we connect the dots about what they mean, and we're kind of a mess. We're sort of a, a little bit of a wreck right now is, is when we're looking at the landscape of the people around us. They tell us that right now the average teenager has the anxiety levels that the average psychiatric patient in a hospital had in the 1950s. Your smartphones are smarter than you realize in that they're ruining many of our lives and how we are constantly plugged in. The news channels are probably not helping our peace levels and life itself as is just difficult. And today we're going to talk about anxiety. What does the Bible say about this and what can we do about this. And I'm going to really go after this. And I, and I want to say on the front end really quickly, uh, I, I thank God for medical science. If one of you breaks a, a leg or an arm, uh, I do believe in healing. And we've actually seen God heal physically broken bones. I also thank God for doctors who put arms in casts. We believe in medical science. Can I get an amen? I mean, we thank God for medicine, for doctors. I'm not going to pretend to claim that I'm speaking every single word about anxiety, specifically the way that everyone might use anxiety. I'm going to speak about anxiety from the perspective of the Bible. I'm going to give you uh, one of the angles that needs to come. In fact, a biblical angle that needs to come. Also something that's just been a tremendous value in my life, something that's been a real game changer that has changed uh, many parts of my life for the better. But I'm not, I'm not going to even claim that there are not medical conditions or there are not needs for people to speak to therapists or doctors every single bit. I thank God for every bit of that. And I'm not discounting any of that. I am just saying in the midst of whatever else you do, do not discount this part as well. 
Do not be anxious about anything, Paul says. Do not be anxious. This is Paul who's writing from a jail cell. Jail cell. Do not be anxious about anything. Paul who is chained to a Roman guard every eight hours, and he is saying, do not be anxious about anything. As he writes to the Philippian church, he says, do not be anxious. Now, I'm not going to lie to you today. My, I've got a, a vision, and my vision today is peace. My vision today is that you are going to walk in peace and that you're going to talk in peace and that you're going to go to school in peace and that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding is going to guard you in a way that and what that means is it's going to have such a, an effect on you that when your friends look at you, they'd say, it makes no sense that you've got peace right now. And you would say, yes, that's the peace that passes understanding. There is a peace that's in, light, in, in line with understanding. Someone wins the lottery, and they're like, man, I'm finally, I'm peace about my finances. And we would all say, oh, we understand that. Or the woman that's been trying to get pregnant, and she has her first child. And it's like, now she feels the peace. Well, now I understand that. But then there is a peace that passes understanding, which means there is a peace that bypasses the circumstances and the realities of life and somehow comes in and gives you something that makes no natural sense. It's the peace of God. And my dream today is that, that we would have peace in our homes, in our families, at school, at our job, that we are going to be people that would be characterized by unusual, inexplicable peace. And so even right now, I speak the peace of Jesus upon you. The peace of the risen Savior Jesus, the peace of the one who has conquered death and hell and the grave, may his peace be upon you. In fact, why don't we just practice for a minute, turn to the person next to you and say, peace be with you. Now, why don't you say back, and also with you. So let's jump into this, kill, this silent killer of anxiety. Why are we so anxious? Why are we so anxious? To which someone might say, because we've got a lot going on. Yeah, but there's always been a lot going on. Yeah, but there's more going on. I know I totally appreciate that. No one in the past had to deal with what we have to deal with now. Smartphones. I totally get the fact that, that we've got challenges no one else had that are robbing us of our people. But, but biblically speaking, is there an answer? And the answer is yes, there is. According to the Bible, the reason that we get anxious is because that you and I are sheep. Everybody say, bah. <laughs> Do it one more time. Just help me here. Bah. Some of you might be like, why do preachers always say, hey, something back? Because we get nervous, and it makes us less nervous when you sound silly too, you know? <laughs> Biblically speaking, that, that there's a metaphor that's used in the Bible that, for example, Psalm 23, many of us know it by heart. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. There's this metaphor in Scripture, this role that God plays in Scripture where he says in the prophets that I am a shepherd that leads my flock. Jesus would call us his flock. Jesus is called the good shepherd. Now, I know that sounds wonderful and cozy and, and, and like Sunday school classes as a little child. If you went to one of those, there was little metaphors and they showed pictures. But I, I, I hope you can appreciate the fact that you being called a sheep is not the biggest compliment there ever was because sheep are like the anxiety animal of the animal kingdom. Like when the Bible describes you, it does not, God does not say, I am the lion tamer and you are the lions. He says, I'm the shepherd and you are the sheep. Now, sheep 
Let me tell you about them. Because sheep are not exactly brave. They're not exactly bold. They're not exactly courageous. They're not naturally speaking. The, the, no one is afraid of sheep. They don't have fangs. They, they don't have anything natural that makes you intimidated by them. Sheep are kind of a wreck. They're kind of a mess. They're easily startled. Sheep, they, for example, I, I, I did a lot of reading on shepherding leading up to this message even today. And sheep are not like, like a dog. You can train a dog to lie down. When, when he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, it says that because sheep cannot, they cannot be made to lay down unless everything is okay. So like literally, unless their stomach is full, they cannot lie down when they're hungry. Unless their, their thirst is quenched, they will not lie down and sleep when they're thirsty. Unless the, all the threats around them, if there was dogs barking and making noises or wolves howling or whatever it was, the shepherd would have to go take care of the threats because sheep will not rest when there are dangers anywhere around. And then insects and things like bugs would get in your face or you know things that would get around. So like literally shepherds would have to anoint their heads with oil to be able to have uh, uh, just a, a, an alleviation from all of the drama from the bugs and the insects and, and the you know, ticks and mosquitoes and things like this. So unless the irritations are gone, unless the threats are taken care of, unless your stomach is full, unless you've tasted the water, the good waters and all, the, then the sheep can lie down in green pastures. Sheep are, are easily startled that when he says he he leads me beside still waters. The reason it says that is because if a shepherd wanted to take a sheep up on a mountain and get a drink of water, if the water's even running very fast, sheep get startled by running water so that they only fully drink the right way when, when they're sitting beside still waters. I, what I'm trying to let you know is this. There is a biblical reason why you and I get very anxious, and it is not simply because things go wrong. It is simply because you and I were created to be with God. We were created for withness. We were created to thrive when we sense the Lord near us, which is why the passage we just read is preceded in verse 5 where it says, uh, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is nearby. The Lord is here with us. A theme of where I'm going to be going today is helping you to understand the Lord is with you if you belong to Jesus. The Lord is never going to leave you if you belong to Jesus. God has got your back from the moment you gave your life to Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, so as, as sheep, when we, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were already created sheep-like. The issue was they were connected to God. I, I find it fascinating that Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, in one place it says, they heard the sound of the Lord God in the garden. What a fascinating detail, the fact that Adam and Eve could hear the sound of the Lord, that the Lord would make a sound, that they recognized when God was near. They recognized the sound that God made. There's something wonderful about a life that is lived, no matter what you're going through, that when a lion runs up to you, your name is Adam, that, that you can chill because you don't just hear the sound of the lion, you hear the sound of the Lord in the garden. You and I are made to be living and thriving in such a way that, that when you hear the sounds of this world that would have freaked you out, they end up not freaking you out because you are made in a way that when you hear the sound of the Lord your God, that when you hear and feel the nearness of God, there is a way that the threats of the earth don't do the same thing to you because the sheep know their shepherd. 
And so we find that the reason we're anxious, it's not just because life is bad, it's because when we fell from God and when we sin and when we separate from God, when people say, well, am I going to go to hell if I sin? The question is, are you going to lose touch with the shepherd when you sin? Because you are a sheep that thrives when you're close to the shepherd and you are a sheep that freaks out when you do not sense your shepherd. So why are we anxious? Number one, because we are sheep. But number two, what, what is anxiety? What is anxiety? The, the dictionary definition of anxiety would be a fear and, and apprehension of, of what is to come. I think of my aunt. I have an aunt named Lisa, my titi. My aunt Lisa is a Gator fan, and she's been a Gator fan all my life. Even before I came to UF and went to the University of Florida, she was already a Gator fan. They would go to Gator football games, and she's a very bold, um, I don't know, she's sort of bold and bodacious and audacious, and, and she's a very, very confident person which is why it freaked me out the first time I went to a Gator game with her and the Gator game was getting weird and bad and in the fourth quarter she left. And it was like a really tight game and everyone's biting their nails, but she left. And we ended up coming back to win and I texted her and I'm like, whoa, did you see the end of that thing? And she was like, you know, no, I, I had to leave. And I'm like, wait, why did you have to leave? And she's like, because I didn't know what was going to happen and I can't take all that anxiety. I'm like, you missed the greatest part. You know, it's like if you've ever been to a football game and it's the very last play and they throw this touchdown pass and the whole place goes nuts. It's an insane asylum. You know, this kind of thing going on. And you're like, wait, wait, you left? And she's like, yeah, I can't. The, the fear and apprehension of what was to come was too much for me. Now, now th there's a way in which when we come to us, when life happens, when a pandemic happens, when a doctor's report happens, when a bad grade happens, when losing a job happens, when drama in a family happens, when, when, you've got, when you had a, a disturbing dream, when those things happen, when these kind of things happen to you, that what anxiety does is anxiety is going to tell you one side of the story. Anxiety is going to tell you, did you just get tested positive for COVID? You're at home right now with COVID. Did you just get tested positive? Oh my, anxiety is going to tell you, you could end up on a ventilator. You could die. Your heart could enlarge. Something What anxiety does is it tells you one side of a story. What peace does is it tells you the whole story. Peace does not ignore the realities. Let's say you lost a job. You're like, oh my gosh, I lost my job. What peace does is like, wait, 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 wait. You lost your job. Peace does not deny that. You don't show up at work and say, what you, when they say, what are you doing here? Like, well, I work here. Like, no, we fired you. It's like, no, I still work here. Well, no, we fired you. I don't receive that. <laughs> That's not how it works. Peace is not the denial of reality. Peace is the acknowledgement of the full reality. Because from the moment you gave your life to Jesus, from the moment that you became his child, watch, your story never again is going to be devoid of the shepherd. Anxiety is going to tell you your story without a shepherd. Peace is going to tell you your story with the shepherd, which is why anxiety is going to freak you out. And by the way, anxiety is going to piggyback on truth. There really is a devil, and he really does tell a lot of truths, half-truths, truth devoid of a shepherd, truth to a sheep that is only made to live with a shepherd, and by the way, you're never going to not have a shepherd for the rest of your eternal life. Someone say, thank God. <laughs> this is a very big, important thing, because what anxiety is, anxiety tells you one side of the story, faith and peace are going to not deny that, they're going to tell you the whole story with God.
So let's just break it down. So how do we get free of anxiety? And this is where this passage is just money. It says in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I have three thoughts, really from this verse, that I want to get us out of our anxiety. If you want to get out of anxiety and you want to live better than anxiety and above anxiety and at least take one step forward in your fight against anxiety, would you just say, let's do it. Number one, here's how you get out identify the anxiety. Do not be anxious about anything. Everyone say, thang. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, now I, I just want to point out the obvious here. You, you cannot bring something to God when you do not acknowledge that you need to bring something to God. In 1 Peter, it says, cast your anxieties upon God because he cares for you. Cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. You cannot cast upon the Lord that which you do not acknowledge. I want to get clear that the sin is not in feeling anxious. If there is something that falls short of God's glory, it's when we live in a state of not dealing with that and bringing that to the Lord. I, I want to say this very clearly. It is not a sin to feel anxious. It is not a sin to get stressed out. It is not a sin to get worried. It is not a sin to have a feeling. Anxiety is a feeling, and feelings are a gift from God. You do not deny your feelings. You, God gave you emotions to, as, a, as an identifier, as they, they, they signal something. So when you get angry, it is not a sin to get angry. The Bible says be angry and do not sin. What anger is, is a signal that's pointing to something that shows you to follow that trail somewhere and bring it to God. God's desire is that we would take our emotions and watch, treat them as gifts from God that are signaling something that you need to know. If you are anxious about something, everyone say thang. If you are to bring that to him, as we're going to find out, first you've got to identify what that it, what it is. You cannot take it to God until you acknowledge what it is. This is why I find it very destructive when Christians start to live in a world of weirdness, Christianese, when someone says, how are you doing? Like, oh, man, man you know, I'm just, I'm just having a hard time. Someone says, I, I rebuke that. You are not having a hard time. You're having a great time. Well, no, I'm really having a hard time. Nah, you are not. You cannot bring to God that which you will not acknowledge. If, someone is, if someone's got a broken arm, let's just play it out. Someone's got a broken arm. How are you doing? Oh, man, my arm is broken. I'm not incredibly encouraged by somebody saying, your arm is not broken. I'm kind of tempted to use my other arm to punch them in the nose, right? What I, I, listen, I believe in healing. I believe God will do that. We've absolutely, we believe God is a, he is a healer. What I'm trying to tell you is, the, the, the issue is whatever it is, you're to bring it to God. If you are anxious, what is it that you're anxious about? What is it that you're afraid of with your children when they're going out to that party with a friend? What is it? Are you worried that they're going to do what you did? <laughs> what is it about them saying that You've gotten fired. What is it when, when you start sniffling and you're wondering, oh my gosh, could this be COVID? What is it when your, your elderly grandparent calls you and says, what, like, what, what, is it? what is that fear? Because so, what I want to do right now is, if any, this is only for some of you that have walked with God for a little while. How many of you that have walked with God for a little while have found that, that you get into trouble 
and that your good shepherd Jesus actually gets you out and bails you out. Has anyone ever found this? Has anyone besides me found that God has again and 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 again demonstrated over and over and over that when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't need to fear an evil because he has been with me again and again and again and again. And who has known that to be their case? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And yet, when it happens again, I have like amnesia. I'm, man, I'm done for. It's done now. I'm done for. Man, call the cemetery. Man, I'm, it's, it's over. It's, I, I, I've watched him 10,000 times. God's, he's been very honest. You are a sheep, which means you're vulnerable and you're somewhat foolish. Sometimes you get in trouble because of something done to you. Sometimes you get in trouble because of something that you did yourself in your own folly. And yet I am a shepherd that already understands that you are a sheep. And I'm not the bad shepherd. I'm not the ah shepherd. I'm not the so-so shepherd. I'm not the asi-asi pastor. I am the good shepherd. And because I'm the good shepherd, that means even when you're bad, I'm still even when you're dumb, I'm still wise. Even when you're weak, I'm still strong, which is why the peace of the sheep is defined by the competency and the goodness of the shepherd. <laughs> Friends, this is good news because you do have a part to play. There is something that you get to do. There is something we need to do. And the sooner we do it, the better our lives become. The more fruitful they become, the more peaceful we will actually be. I just need you to understand the good news. That I am giving you some, I'm, I'm giving you some good advice right now saying, hey, start identifying the problem. But all the way through this good advice I'm giving you is a thread of good news. You, you have a shepherd, man. More than any father has ever loved you, more than any mother has ever cared for you, more than any leader has ever led you, you've got a shepherd, the good shepherd. And when the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. And despite your folly and the threats of a pandemic, he will make you lie down in green pastures and he will lead you beside still waters. So number one, you've got, to, you've got to identify the anxiety. Listen to it. Don't deny it. Listen to it. When you get angry, listen to it. I, I think we've suppressed our emotions. When our emo Your emotions are not to be suppressed. They're to be listened to. God made your emotions to listen to them. And you bring them to God. You, you listen to it. Number one, pay attention. What's at the root? What's the, what's the real concern? Number two, he says, uh, therefore, brothers, do not be anxious about anything, but, but in everything by prayer. Number two, pray. I know that's like the, the Bible answer, like we're like, oh yeah, pray. No, no, I mean pray. I mean that, that the next time you're anxious, pray. If I'm honest with you, when I get anxious many times, prayer is like the seventh thing I do. What I'm saying is when you get anxious, pray. You just found out a horrible thing. Pray. I, no, no, don't Google search first. Like, well, I, I'm gonna Google, I'm gonna do a Google search so I can pray more intelligently. Just close the computer. You would be better off praying first and then going to Google after that because how many of you know you might actually find something unhelpful on Google? 
Well, I went, I went to Wikipedia. I, l- listen, I get it, but we've got a wiki Jesus, and so we're going to take it to Jesus, all right? So, so I, I get all that. Well, I, I need, I'm going to text 17 people. You don't need to text 17 other sheep to go, ma, 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 ma. I mean, all the little sheep are going nuts. When you are freaked out, freaked out sheep don't need more freaked out sheep. They need a shepherd. They need a shepherd. I'm watching a lot of sheep trying to, I'm, I'm constantly hearing sheep give other sheep advice. Like, like what did you think about my advice? I thought it was bad, is what I thought. Pray. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. But in everything. But this one's a doctor's report. For doctor's reports, I'm going to the mayoclinic.com. And every doctor's reports is part of everything. Your child, you just found out your child's in an issue that, that's freaking you out. You just, you found something on your child's phone. Your child didn't know that you're checking their phone and you checked their phone and you're like, oh my gosh, now what do I do? And I'm like, oh my, I need to address it. But if I address it, then they're going to know I was like, and then they're going to say, where's my privacy? And, oh, and then you're anxious about that. And, and then you've been anxious and you can't sleep and you have three nights and then you come to church and they preach about, don't be anxious. And now you're anxious about the fact that you're anxious and you're worried about the fact that you're worrying. Am I even in a cycle of sin? Oh, God won't even hear my prayers because I'm disobeying the Bible. And it says, don't worry and don't be anxious. Oh God, what am Chill. Chill. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by pray. There was an old song back in the day. It went like this, and I hated it, and I never could get it out of my mind, and now it's come back. I have said this many times. It went like this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Now, now what I found is that, that when, when the drama is happening and you can hear the sounds of the silent killers, when I, when I hear the, the drama of life, what happens is there is so much, there's so much unnatural man-made light that's, that's coming off the stuff I'm freaked out about, right? So, so I, get, I get anxious and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm so anxious. I know what I'll do. I'm just going to I'm just going to surf through Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok for the next four hours. Maybe that'll get rid of my anxiety. And, and, and it's, it's time to go to bed. I mean, by the way, just so you even know, like physiologically, the way we're made is that when, when the sun goes down and when it gets dark, you, you start to actually fall asleep. Like, unless you get some man-made light to, to find a way to keep you awake. And then you're sitting under your covers and you're looking at your phone and... And, 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 it's, and it's keeping you going, and it's keeping all this stuff happening. And, and, and what, what can happen is that when, when we're in these spots, we can, we're, we're constantly plugged in, and the things of the world, they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and, and again, I, I, just so we're clear, peace does not deny the reality, but peace said, like, you don't actually need to watch some, some newscast 15 times, like, there, there are some things that you don't need to just watch again and again and again and again. Like, the, the, oh, when the Bible says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together, the opposite of that is to, oh, magnify the issues with me and let us, uh, and let us exalt them together, right? And so what happens is God has made us that when we turn our eyes upon Jesus and we look full into his glorious face, that the things of earth... 
They're not gone, but they grow strangely dim. Now, what that means is you start to experience a peace that passes understanding because someone will say, yeah, but, but the stuff is still here. You're, I, which is like, no, I know it is, but this earth has majored on. Do you hear the sound? Do you see the colors? Do you feel the threats? To which your answer would be, I, I, I would and I do at some level, but I have a shepherd and greater is the shepherd shepherd that's in me than all of the junk that's not inside of me, and I've chosen to turn my eyes upon Jesus. We tell sinners all the time to turn to Jesus. I think we need to remind all the sheep to turn our eyes upon Jesus, because our eyes need to repent a lot more often than they do. And I don't just mean from sin. I'm talking about there are times when the best thing you could do is to listen to your shepherd's voice say, oh, my precious daughter, Turn your phone off and go to bed because I'm trying to make you lie down in green pastures and you keep on, you, you keep on running up by the, the streams of, of, of water that are making a lot of noise. You, you keep on going, scrolling through Twitter, which is letting you hear all the wolves and dogs and, and you're wondering why you can't say, oh, put the phone down, get around the people that are going to give you some peace, but most of all, turn your eyes upon me. See, what prayer... This is what prayer does. Of course, you ask for things. You're like, oh, God, I need money. Help me. Oh, God, I'm hungry. Oh, God, pay my bill. Oh, God, whatever that is that you're asking for. But what prayer does initially is it turns your eyes upon Jesus. Pray. But it's not just pray. This is number three. Number one was identify. Number two is pray. Number three is pray with thanks. Pray with thanks. He says, uh, and, and let your request, it says, um, do not be anxious. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, everybody say, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Con gratitud. Con gracias. Like you're going to pray with thanks. The question is, how can you thank somebody for something before you get what you're asking for? And the answer is, because either by your history with this person that again and 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 again. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bill. And again and again and again and again and again, he pays your bills. Or you're sick and you're worried about that feeling that you had. You're like, oh my God, what could this be? And you're Google searching all the things that it could be. And there's 74 things that that pain in your side could be, including cancer. And you're going through all of them, but then again and again and again and again. And So one reason you could give thanks is, number one, God, I thank you that you have healed me in the past. I thank you that you provided for me in the past. I thank you that we've, you and me, we've got history. And I'm going to thank you for the history when I don't know what I got in the future. But we also have revelation, and that revelation comes from God's word that says that he is a good shepherd that will fear not little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. Be not dismayed, he says. Fear not, I've called you by name. You are my sheep. You are my people. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, he says. So, so when I pray with thanks, what I'm doing is I'm recognizing both my history and I'm recognizing my tendency to forget that God is good. So that when I come to God, I'm, I'm not praying like this. Oh God, oh God, please. Oh, oh this could be horrible. Oh God, please, 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 God, please, 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 please. Okay, don't get me wrong. That's better than nothing. But it's not the same as, oh God, please, and thank you. 
pray with, because I, I almost think the thanks might be the most important part of the verse. Because when I'm thanking him, that's when I'm recognizing, so I'm in my 40s now. I'm in my 40s. I think of all the prayers I prayed when I was like a 19-year-old college student in Sled Hall at UF. I asked God for so many things, and many of them he said yes. And many, probably more, he said no. And I remember at the time, I was like, come on, God. What about all the verses that say, ask and you shall receive. Seek and, and you shall find. I actually found out, sometimes you receive the answer, no. The little sheep comes up to the shepherd. Can I please eat Lucky Charms for dinner every night? He says, guess what he says? No. So we're saying, oh, man. But there's, a, there's another shepherd over there. He does. He, he lets his sheep eat Lucky Charms. He's called the wolf. I, I look back on my life now, and I realize if God would have given me everything I asked for, I could sue him for malpractice. He is so wise that in his wisdom and sovereignty, God has often said, nah. I don't know if anyone's watched the Chosen television show, but in the first episode, one of my favorite scenes of any movie or show is where Mary Magdalene is about to try to take a drink of something, and, and she's about to grab it, and, and it's the first sign you see of Jesus. And his hand comes down, and he just looks at her. He says, that's not for you. It has been an odd thing. I have had many times since then I was about to do something or say something. And it was like I could hear the Lord in the back of my mind say, that's not for you. There's many of you that have asked God for things. You're like, God, this is what I need. And he's like, no, you are a sheep. And sheep don't actually know what they need as much as the shepherd knows what they need. And God loves you enough to give you what you would have asked for if you knew what he knows. Did you catch that? God is so wise and so good that God gives you and knows how to answer prayers. In a way. And I've heard people say things like, well, God, sometimes he'll just show you. He'll just give you what you ask so you can learn your lesson. I kind of get that, and maybe that happens every now and then. But I'm saying in general, I have found that God is such a good shepherd that when he knows I'm asking for things or making decisions that will destroy my little sheep's life, that God is smart enough and loving enough to say no. This is why I now pray with thanksgiving because, God, I thank you that you are a promise keeper, and I know that you will keep every promise. I thank you that you are never going to leave me or bail out on me, and you are going to stay with me no matter where I go. God, I thank you that when I don't know what to do, my eyes can stay fixed on you because you will lead me where I need to go. God, I thank you that the millions and multitudes of other times when you've come through on my behalf are evidence to me that you did it before, you will do it again, and you're never going to stop being God. I thank you, God, because you are Jireh. I thank you that you are the provider. I thank you that you are the healer. I thank you that you are the father. I thank you that you are everlasting. I thank you that you are my redemption. I thank you that you are my wisdom. I thank you that you are my leader. I thank you that you are my fortress. I thank you that you are my rock. I thank you that you are my strong tower. Thank you, God. And now I ask you, help. By the way, this week, here's the application of the sermon today. This week, when you get anxious, I dare you to have the first thing you do be pray. I know a lot of us have that be like the tenth thing we do or the third thing we do or the, like, like when sometimes people are like, oh my gosh, we better pray. And someone's like, oh, has it come to that? 
And the angels are like, oh, little sheep. Because I actually sometimes work myself up into a wad of disgust that I have a hard time giving thanks in my prayer. And I wonder, well, it seems like prayer didn't work. Sometimes I, I've noticed I pray prayers without thanksgiving that are not nearly as effective as when I pray with thanksgiving. Pray. Number one, when you get anxious this week, identify what's up, but then pray and pray with thanks. And what's going to happen according to this is in the peace of God, here's the promise, verse 7, in the peace of God, the peace of God, the peace of God, there's nothing like the peace of God. There is peace of America, there is peace of being a woman, or peace of being a man, or peace of being in charge, or peace of being in control. I'm talking the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It is like Jesus himself becomes a shield. Oh, thou, O Lord, art a shield about me, the glory and the lifter of my head. That he himself becomes like your bodyguard. When you pray with thanksgiving, it gives you peace. And peace will guard your life. And peace will guard your kids. And peace will guard your responses to people. And peace will keep you from tweeting things or saying things or posting things you should not have done. And peace will, peace will guard. It's, like, it's a word that means to be like an umpire. It's going to be like an umpire on your life. It, when you've got a business decision, you're like, ah, oh, it's a good idea. It's a good decision. It's a good opportunity. You're like, do I take this opportunity? I don't know. You need the peace of God to guide you in that. And that, by the way, sometimes there are good anxieties. Like sometimes you've got a good anxiety. It's like, oh my gosh, I've got all this money that I didn't realize I was going to have and I'm so stressed. How should I spend this? Do not be anxious about anything, including being blessed or being lacking. You can do both in Jesus. And when you do, identify what that is and now pray, but pray with thanksgiving. And the peace of God is going to, the peace of God will guard you. I want to get clear. The next time you're anxious, you do not need a Netflix marathon. You do not need a five-hour session on Facebook. You don't need three hours on YouTube. You don't need a bunch of TikTok videos. You do not, you do not need to compare yourself to someone's images on Instagram where they're hot and then bikinis and doing all their stuff and they're posting everything as they're having their quiet times with their coffee in their bikini with a hot body and the perfect Bible verse. You're like, oh my gosh, and I don't look like that at all. Give me another donut. Anxiety is real. It's not how perfectly you can raise your children, mom. It's not how perfectly you can run your business, sir. It's not how competent the sheep are. It's how faithful the shepherd is. And when I was reading leading up to this, man, I I was reading all this stuff about shepherding, and I read the story of this shepherd boy in the 1930s in in the Middle East, in, in an area of Israel near Haifa, before it was Israel. And and the government had gone in there, and, and they, had, they had confiscated everybody's stuff. And there was this little orphan teenager that all he owned and had to his name was, was just a few sheep. And they confiscated everything, and if you wanted them back, you had to pay a redemption price. You had to go make money to get them back. And so he went, and he, this orphan goes, has no one, nothing in life except these sheep. But he goes, and he, and he makes all of this money, and he comes to the soldiers, and he says, I got 12 sheep. And he had the money for the 12 sheep. And he said, I'm going to go get my sheep. And he said, well, there was hundreds of sheep in this locked pen where these sheep were treated terribly and just kind of loaded in there, all packed together. He says, I'm going to go get my sheep. Let me get them. And, 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 and these soldiers began to laugh and mock at him because, mock him because 
because they said, there's no way you're going to know which sheep are yours. He said, no, I know which sheep are mine, okay? And he goes in there, and they're like, okay, we'll see how this goes. And they were kind of watching to see this happen. So he walks in, they open the pen, they open the gates, and he pulls out a little instrument like a flute. And he begins to play this flute. Because when you study shepherding in the Middle East, you find that Shepherds actually would use two things. They would use a, a sound and they would use their voice. And he would play this little flute. And when he played the flute, he said, come, my sheep, come. Your shepherd is here. And out of the pack of hundreds of maltreated sheep, out come his 12 sheep because they knew their shepherd's voice. Jesus said, I know my sheep and my sheep know my voice. And when Misha posted this on Facebook, and thousands and thousands of people have read it at this point, and by the way, people have called her and canceled abortions, and that, you know, I mean, all sorts of things. The part that got me the most was when she said, I could hear his voice remind me, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. And there are some of you that aren't yet his sheep. And I just hurt for you today. Because I want you to come out. I want you to hear his voice today. Let, let the voice of heaven, let the noise of heaven be clear to you. Because even if you've been going, maybe even to this church for 10 years, but you're not yet his sheep, it's time to come out and become his sheep. Because he knows his sheep. And his sheep know his voice. And there is a shepherd that's the greatest of all the shepherds that came to earth. And he paid the redemption price for his sheep with his own blood. Where Jesus would go up on a cross and he would pay for us. Then he would be buried and rise from the dead. And he rises from the dead and he makes the sound. And here I am 2,000 years later declaring the sound of the king of heaven that says, Sheep, come to me, all of you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Let me lead you in the paths of righteousness. Let me make you lie down in green pastures because the peace you long for will never be found without your shepherd because you're a sheep. Why are we anxious? Because you're a sheep. What is anxiety? It's the truth without the shepherd. But you've got a shepherd. Some of you are like, Mike, I feel this anxiety and I, I feel like I'm in trouble. Oh, you, you were in trouble until Jesus went to the cross. But trouble has lost its sting because of what Jesus did. And so right now, I just invite you that if, if you belong to him this week, the next time you're anxious, pray with thanks because you've got a shepherd. When you go to microchurch and someone's freaking out, pray with thanks, because you've got a shepherd. When you're talking to someone that's freaking, shh, point them to the shepherd. But if by chance you do not yet belong to him, I am calling you home right now. I am making the sound of Jesus who says to you, I love you, I have paid for you, I have bought you with my own blood. Now, I didn't, I'm not coming to, to bind you up, I'm coming to set you free. Come, my beloved, come.